It's time for the Team Bear Sports Podcast. All right, and welcome back to, I believe this is episode 12 of the Team Bear Sports Podcast, the only podcast covering Chicago sports and actual bear news. Kevin, Jackson, and Tim back again. We've got a lot to talk about, but uh, before we get into the sports aspect, the bear news aspect of it, what did you guys do over the weekend? I know there was a, a wedding with lots of blood and beer and dirt. One of our best friends got married, and it was one hell of a time. Jackson and I decided to get pretty, uh, pretty litty. <laughs> he jumped on my back twice. The first time was fine, like we, you know, it was twist and shout, right? So everyone's going nuts. He jumps on my back, you know. We got some great photos, and then we we were in the dancing circle. And we were I in the dancing on, circle. That is, and great. I jumped on his back the and second he, time. And he dropped me, and I landed on my back. He ambushed me. He dropped me, dude. I did not. He dropped me. I did not see (laughs) him jump on me the second time. I go flying. He almost, he hits his head. Beer goes flying. I felt bad because I, like, we both got clocked, and I spilled half my beer. But then throughout the entire night, the amount of people that were dropping drinks because everyone just got too fucked up. Um, so I didn't feel too bad. Uh, but it was a good time. Like, I, I, so I cut it, my Was I it cut twist and shout for both of the jumps? Was it twist and shout yeah, for both of the jumping ons? Same, same song. Well, Andrew's bartender was just topping the drinks off with tequila. Like, to the <laughs> point where I'm just like, I mean, but the mixers are so good with it and just so sugary and everything, yeah, and their, it's so good. Your other drinks sucked. I liked everything that I was drinking because he was just... Uh, the, girl, the girl was not doing a good job with the old fashions. That's true. It, it didn't matter though. It was time. It was time to get some liquor going. There, there was the one. Old mission. fashioned has liquor. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's true. Boy, they just give him, give me the vodka or whatever, and the splash or something, and then you're good. Oh man, all I know is when one of our buddies, Nate and myself, brought out a couple cases of Miller Lite. People were like. Oh, like let's go! Cause we were going nuts. We were, we were, <laughs> we were like, so dehydrated. <laughs> you ever seen the meme of those dudes? Uh, uh, the African guys putting up the the casket and dancing. That's like we, we were. That's like what we were. I, I felt like light. I was one of the like the people who were cheering us on, like the sand people in uh, episode in episode in episode four. Like they were just like let's go, but like we ran out of water. So everyone was like dehydrated and Kevin, this was like, I felt like we just got done running like a five mile hard run. Like it was a sweaty, stinky, fun mess. And yes, I cut my hand and I was bleeding everywhere. And then I tried to take some toilet paper to like make up like a bandage. But yeah. It was a mess. But it was so was, that's how you know it was done right. If all those things, if all those things happened, that's how you know it was. And done the right. best thing was none of the parents knew because they all left. Not that it would have stopped us because we're thirty, but you know, whatever. Maybe they had their own little. Uh, they they were smart. They were smart to go home. 
Yeah, they were smart to go home. All right, well, during that wedding, I know that there was a Bears game that got played against the Buffalo Bills, and I was able to watch most of it, and maybe you guys were able to watch some highlights or maybe catch the whole game. We saw about day. we saw about seventy percent of it. I we say. saw we and then we saw Trubisky going off at the bar that we were we were at, and I was just like, "Well, this is of course just going to happen." But I had beer with it the entire time, so I was chilling. I mean, it's probably a good thing you had beer the entire time because the Bears lost to the Bills. Obviously, it's a preseason game; we know that, but they lost forty-one to fifteen to the Buffalo Bills. And as you mentioned, Tim, Mitch did have a big game. Uh, what's your kind of just first impressions of seeing Mitch play that well, his first game back to playing against the Bears, even if it was just a preseason game? Stinks, but good for him. I mean, that's the yeah, way, that's where that's you want to go. Felt. That's how I that's, felt. That's why you took a flyer on yourself and was like, hey, I'm going to be a backup on a team. That's good. Maybe learn something. And it shows that he's not only just – you know, learned a little bit of an offense that he's comfortable with, but he succeeded at it. And I think if you get good looks like that, what's the worst thing that's going to happen to you? I think the worst thing that could happen to him ever would be that he would be a backup in the NFL for 15 years. And wow, what a, what a shitty lifestyle to be making millions of dollars playing football. Oh, I know. That would be just horrible for the man. Uh, yeah, my kind of – I was never – anti-Mitch I knew that he wasn't our answer at quarterback and he needed a, he needed to go or Nagy or him needed to go just there needed to be a different situation there um but you're, you're kind of proud for him you're kind of happy that he did play well it's, I think the, the ironic thing was like the offense they were using that up-tempo short passes those eight nine yard passes like that's what they always wanted Mitch to do but they never implemented it Right. They never got him outside the tackle box, you know, find his second, third string or his third you know, receivers to get those easy first downs. And it was just like. Man, this what Mitch, this is what the Mitch offense was supposed to look like, right? Moving the pocket left to right, moving your receivers, you know, in ways where you get one on one matchups with linebackers and you exploit that. And, you know, Buffalo did a good job of it. Yeah, I mean, I didn't go through this game with a fine-tooth comb like we'll probably be, probably be going with uh, through with the regular season, but I didn't see many seven, eight-second developing offensive plays that the Bills were running for Mitch. It was just kind of a quick drop back, you know, five yards, ten yards. The receiver was getting open, or a tight end was getting open, and they were, he was making the throws. But and like, he, that's, that's how you beat the Bears' defense, right, is you don't stay in the pocket. You get those short uh, passes because one of the Bears played a, a three-four zone, right? So there's always gonna be pockets in the middle, and like if you're not getting pressure on a quarterback, which in a three-four, if the quarterback's already in a shotgun and he's already be moving out, it's gonna be already hard to get to the quarterback. You're already in a zone, so you're giving them that cushion. They're gonna be picking up five, six yards each time, and like that's what Green Bay does against us. And so, and he was able to. He get out moved. of the pocket. He was able to get out of the pocket. And they but were it was able designed. To do, it was designed they were able, for it. Yeah, they were able to design plays where he got to do the one thing that he likes doing. Move. Roll out right. Roll out right. Roll yep. out right. Yep. And, and it was. It you was can make fun of the, you, It's like you can make fun of the dude for not being able to throw and do that left. 
But one, he's the backup now, and he did that to you. And two, they they didn't have did the, it. They did it every other play. Let him roll out have, to the right. They didn't have their full offense in. Yeah, and he was able to find like those seven, eight yards. I mean, that's all you need. And like, I think in today's NFL, like one, like I think Seattle is pretty good at this. You know, I mean, granted, Russell Wilson's a Hall of Fame quarterback, but like, just there's nothing wrong with just nickeling and diming a team for eight, nine yards each time you throw a ball. Does it move the sticks? Oh, it does. Okay, cool. And it gets your defense tired because you're going to still put up a pass rush. It's it, yeah. it, it, it's an offense like that that makes you, when you see it and you see how it could be, it makes you feel like, wow, why would I ever try to get a, a bell cow running back anymore? I mean, it's, it's, get it's, three it's, it's running an backs that can be re- receivers, kind of how we have with it's Montgomery an because we never throw him the ball. But it, it's an advanced it's an advanced stage of the West Coast offense, right? It's from the same family. It's you keep. Everyone is a receiver. You nickel and dime people, and you keep defenses at bay. And like, if the Bears if the Bears go on one on one, does it change the game with the defense? Because Mitch has had problem with one on one instead of zone. I I think what looks good if you do something like that with Fields, and then like when you get Tariq Cohen back, when you get Tariq Cohen, yeah, yeah, you can run with our quick running back our quick quarterback it seems like he loves being able to kind of dish it out a little bit but you know what would never happen it won't happen because it makes sense and Nagy won't do that i mean i think one with Nagy. i think i think there's probably going to be a little bit more of a leash with justin than there is going to be with mitch justin's a little bit more polished than mitch is collegially um He's also bigger, but like Mitch's problems, eventually you do need to hit a deep throw in today's NFL, and always you need to hit. And Mitch just can't. You saw it on Saturday. What do you, like, what do you mean? You don't want your guy missing it five yards? I don't. Yeah, I mean he can't. Mitch can't hit the deep throw. Oh, that, that's cool. It's just the worst part about it is Nagy, our coach, having that excuse. And basically, I'm, hey, my my offense is going to be bottom 25, or in you know in the league. You're 25 gonna be at, well, yeah, ranks. you're going to be yeah. You're and gonna be I'm going to say it's because I have a quarterback who can't throw 20, 25. Sure, right. dude. Okay, fine. But what else have you done to change that? Oh, get another quarterback, get another quarterback, and another quarterback. It is what it is. But it's, I mean, also like I know we had this on our doc, but like, and I'll bring this up, and I'll ask you to like. They also kind of screwed Dalton in the way, or they have not well, one. We know that Dalton's not the future of the NF, like the Bears. He's looked we, bad we, in the preseason. Case in point. But here's, but here's the thing: who the fuck is he throwing it to? He's not throwing it to Mooney. He's not throwing it to a- Adam Fields. Exactly. Fields is throwing to Adams. But that's the issue. Graham is not out there. Neither is a Rob or Mooney. So if Dalton's going to be your Week One starter. And you have no continuity with your top three receivers or Montgomery, who's not in there. I'm cool with Who is he going to throw it to? I'm they, cool with, I'm cool with the skill guys not being there. I'm cool with the skill guys not being there. You, you need to have game time exposure for at least a series or two. I'm cool with Robinson, the guy who has had bum quarterbacks. <laughs> Just being like, I'm guy. not. I agree. I've seen, always, this, I've seen this movie And he's before. always a top ten He's always a top ten receiver. He is the king. I'm cool <laughs> with that guy not getting he's reps. And king. guess what? He is he's the king of bum quarterbacks. 
David Montgomery, had, what, leads the league or is always in the top three for broken tackles? He's getting hit at the line of scrimmage. What do you want him to do? I'm just saying. He's talented, I'm just saying, too. If you oh, want, also, if you he want deals Dalton, if you want Dalton like I'm doing air quotes. If you want Dalton to be your starting quarterback, he needs to have game time exposure with his top receivers, whether it be Mooney or Robinson, just so you know how the game is. Like, because no, practice is completely different. I'm glad didn't see Foles at all. No Foles at all. Great. I like it. Those are the two quarterbacks I want to see, and I'm seeing both of them. And I know that one of them looks like shit. All right, I, I have a conspiracy theory for the reason why the the first team you skill guys. You got the tinfoil hat. You got yeah, the tin I got foil on. I got the tinfoil okay. hat on. I've got you know, got the uh, the shungite around me and all that fun stuff. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the reason that and there's no. There's no science behind this. You're smiling real hard at this, so I got to hear this. It's good. I just thought of it just this moment. So the reason why the skill guys aren't That's working I know with, it's good. with Dalton <laughs> is because there. I'm sure you've heard that the and our listeners have heard that there's been like a gentleman's agreement that Dalton is going to be the starter or give the opportunity to be the starter at the beginning right. of the season. So Nagy and Pace, whoever's behind this, is not giving him the reps with Mooney and A-Rob and having our, our main guys in there. So he just looks like booty in week one or week two. And then that gives him the excuse, hey, he looks like ass. Let me get there. And he had his we, time to shine. And then say, hey, we gave you the shot and it didn't work out. So we're going to go with Fields rather than the having oh, the yeah. well, we I mean, start I, Fields now. It's just I like a built-in kind of fallback plan of, hey, you look like crap. So now Fields can come in and. You know, save our jobs or so or so forth. So right. Well, don't know how if, that if that's what he's doing, mission accomplished because he looks oh, like yeah. booty. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he has not looked good. I mean, I don't think Dalton's been in the place to succeed himself. But I mean, I, if that's their reasoning, that's a pretty screwed up reasoning. But um, would you put it past them though? No, absolutely not, because they think backwards. <laughs> come on now. Like, come on. Wait, All right. Wait, you, you don't want your your starting quarterback to succeed, so we're going to take away your two most valuable resources to have you fail, but you're still going to be the starting quarterback? Like, come on, that's pretty ass backwards. He's, a, he's the fall guy. Chris Carter's nodding his head in the background like, yeah. yes, 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 this yeah. is it. Well, anyway, speaking of booty, one of the biggest – things I've seen has been the Chicago Bears defense and their tackling in these past two preseason games and all of last season. So how worried was seeing it in the second quarter, Eddie Jackson, new number, not even hitting the guy and the guy scores a touchdown. Just like well, got... one, that's on Quinn. That's on Quinn. I understand that is, but, that's on Quinn. You, but... Had contained, you had contained, but how we're paying Eddie Jackson, one of the highest right. out of our payrolls, and he, has, and he doesn't go Eddie make that hit. Eddie has to make that tackle. Especially that's my number one thing what that is I'm looking for. Fourth, it's a fourth and two on a pitch play, which you read it out perfectly. Right, Quinn stayed home. Your other linebackers are there. That should have been a net loss of one yard to a no gain. You get the ball at, what, at the 11-yard line, and it turns into like a 12-yard touchdown run. Like, and I think that's the thing that worries me about Quinn is like, are you so gun shy that he's not getting sacks? But like now, like he's taking easy play, like he's forgetting to do his easy job to just hold the line, wrap him up and wait till the cavalry comes home. Right. That was that that plays on. I, Quinn. I understand that. That plays on Quinn first. He's the understand first. Understand that. Understand that. However, 
you're telling me in the film room that they're all looking at 39? Oh, yeah, or, Jackson, Eddie Jackson got ripped in half. Got it. In the film room, they're looking at 39 or whatever four he is now. Four. It's four now. They're looking at him and saying, hey, all season you're not making hits. Okay? I would probably say that somebody has to be saying it Especially to him. Said, well, the problem is if he's playing free, he's the last line of defense. But the play starts at the line of scrimmage with Robert Quinn. But I'm telling you, it's preseason. It is preseason. Everyone, it is preseason. But Robert Quinn has to make that tackle. You are, you are at the line of scrimmage. You had containment. You had him in the backfield for a two-yard loss. Okay, are you just going to say the same argument again? Because it's the only I'm, argument. Okay, then I guess uh, this is a Jackson podcast. <laughs> I think that it's just... I watched the film. I watched the film the other day. I was bored, and I watched okay. the film on YouTube. Well, not highlights. Well, let's just, let's let's throw this play out. Let's just forget this play never happened. We oh, do worst, have to be worried... We do have to be worried about our secondary, not just Eddie Jackson, even though he's probably prime suspect number one, about our secondary's tackling. Because I did notice in the game that Vildor missed a couple tackles, or like it, he didn't. They're I think I think there was one where it was uh, from uh, that, that kid that got drafted. Uh, oh darn, he was in the East Coast and he got drafted, but he, the, he's like our four stringer right now. They're looking that he might be the guy. That he might be the starter. Yeah. So if if this is good, if our secondary tackling is going to be a problem, I it could it's going to be a long year. It could it's going to be a long year defensively. Because only re- rely so much on Artie Burns. Artie Burns just forward. moved up to the second second tier uh, corner. Now he's right behind JJ. So it's, so it's th- yeah. Vildor's still in there. True fine, questionable. Who knows what the hell that guy's doing? But Artie Burns, man, he. I, I mean, he had what an ACL or something. Yeah, I think last year. Well, the can't, the defense can't tackle. At least the secondary can't tackle, and it's preseason. And I know, I know, on the the running touchdown that Fields got in Week One, the safety could have blew up Justin Fields, but he just kind of let him go in. So some of it, I'm sure, is I'm not going to try and do too much in the preseason game, but when you have this this um, stigma around you that you can't tackle Eddie Jackson and now the other it's, secondary, it's, it's at the you got to show line. something. You gotta, yeah, yeah, yeah you're line. stopping a touchdown. So I'm hoping that this this is just another preseason thing like, they did, where they're they just taking get, it easy. They did not get any pressure whatsoever. And, like, I get the, the argument like, oh, well, they didn't have Trevathan and they didn't have Roquan. And, and I know Roquan has become a really good cover wide uh Line is that just going to be the theme of the podcast and we don't have the, the ones out there? That's preseason. That's what preseason is. Yeah, but I think in today's – if you're going to go to a three-game mod, like a three-game schedule no, with a week I don't need off, to see Roquan. He's a stud, and he, he got hurt at the end of the last season. I don't need to see him at all. Yeah. And he's been and he's been banged up. But no for a series, up. for a series. No, I know he's already series. a stud. That guy is the best, <laughs> one of the best for players on our series, defense. For one series to get your to get gas under your lungs. Nah, man. There's guys you don't have to worry about, and he's okay. How many times have I heard you bitch and complain that we looked out of shape week one because we didn't play our starters? 
understandable, but that goes to certain guys, and certain guys don't need to play. Khalil Mack has played. I'm not going to go across the league and see dudes with all these injuries and can't play when, you know. You, but I don't think it's – We've it's, already played the number one most important I, thing for our I, franchise twice. I don't think it's so. – I don't think it's the games. I think it's also how they just practice. They, they don't hit each other anymore in practice. Okay. So you don't have live no, game experience. Got to be the alley drills. Alley drills <laughs> in Oklahoma. Just get after it all day. Talk, talk to the NFLPA on that one. Oh, man. I'm sure they'll sure those do the nutcracker where you lie on the ground and the coach drops the ball on you and you got to get up and hit each other. Well, another aspect of the Bears that continues to uh, look lackluster is special teams. Oh, geez, are we just are we just are we just bound to see bad Chris special Tabor teams sucks. this entire season? Chris Tabor sucks. He's a shitty, shitty. Huh? Coach, it's how, not gonna how be. How long good. has he been our special teams coordinator? Is he on like, isn't he like year three or four? It's like I year two. Year two, they're bad. They're bad. I mean, and and he's and they've been bad with him the entire time. Do you know who's do you know who's still a free agent? Is Sherrod McManus. It's like you can't yeah. you can't go out and sign a gunner to go play. Oh, sexy pick. Like I mean, how are we gonna talk about how are we gonna talk about and I can't stop like not talking about it anymore. We're talking about special teams and we already talked about offense. Can we just already say it? Wims got released. Thank God. Yes. Preseason's already won. Preseason we already already won it. The tweet that we had about two weeks ago about job security with uh Wims. Well, I'm glad that aged terribly. It's over. Ding dong, the witch is dead. He's out. Thank God. And like, you're someone we thought two or three years ago could make an impact on this. Team. I hope he goes somewhere and, and is good. But like, no, I really thing. don't. I really I, don't. I, 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 actually, <laughs> not with him. I maybe and yeah, even when you think of Anthony Miller, it's just like you guys just joshed around for too long. Yeah, they. They. I mean, there's. They just. It's, no, it's there's, hard he, to believe Chris that. Tabor's been with us since 2018, three years. That's a long yeah, time. So and I feel like yeah, we've never been a good special teams. I think he just got carried straight by Patterson last year. So with with um, Williams being cut, and they mentioned Miller, I think it's just like it just shows you that if you're a professional athlete, you and you're on you're a fringe player, you gotta just be mentally smart not to do the dumbest like imagine if if you're an nfl wide receiver and you're someone tells you hey you're gonna stay on this team you're gonna make a decent amount of money you, you might get some plays you might make some touchdowns all you have to do is just not punch a player in the head and you'll stay on this team and then yeah. it just must have not, well, not, not wanted to be well, on the team. <laughs> must must have not want to be in chicago i don't know but and I don't know. And then just in the preseason, in the first preseason game, where Wims just runs off sides on that play, where he just runs 20 yards when everyone's standing still. That's just like some uh, some middle school football, where he clearly wasn't paying attention in the huddle, and we say, "Hey, all right, this is on two. All right, it's on two. Remember, it's on two. And he still goes off sides, or he still does a false start. So I'm happy to see him go. Just and also with the um, the emergence of Rodney Adams. Who is just like seems like a high character guy, good locker room presence. I'll take that, even if he doesn't have the high ceiling we thought with 
uh, Miller or Wims or even Ridley, even though Ridley's still on the team. Um, I'll take that now at that receiver four or five position ten times out of ten after what I've seen. The, w- the way I see for our franchise, not for our immediate benefit, but for our franchise, I think preseason hasn't been the doom and gloom that people want to say it is. I mean, obviously, Fields looks great, but you have guys like this. Like, the tw- 26-year-old Artie Burns coming from a first-round pick in Pittsburgh. He's playing well. He wants to He wants to come up. You got uh, – who's the running back that's looked – Herbert's looked great. Tonda's yeah, looked yeah, great. Adams looks good. You got these guys that aren't at the twilight of their career. They're not. They're not young, but they're not twilight. Twenty-six year olds, twenty-five year olds, twenty-seven year olds going. Hey, guess what? I want to be on the team. I want to start. And that's pretty cool, especially when you're looking at next year, downsizing and then go and maybe grabbing some free agents for the offensive line. Why not? Yeah, I would say. I know we this so far what we've talked about the Bears has kind of been mostly negative. That's just because the. Just specifically talking about the last game. We're not a Super Bowl team this year. We're not a Super Bowl team this year. No, I don't don't think we're even going to I mean, I've heard people say, oh, we this team can make a deep playoff run. I'm like, you're insane. We're not a Super Bowl team this year, but we're setting up. We're setting up a squad that could be good in the future, but we need to play it right, and that's what we need to see each week this year. So anything that you can do. To play guys that are going to be there in 2023, you do it. Yeah, I think, one, you put yourself in a good position in the draft. Um, Vildor might not look good. Um, and uh, it's growing pain. Who's, who's the other kid? Who's the other kid that we're starting to uh, at the nickel? Uh, Shelly. Shelly might Shelley. not look good. Yeah. But if you think one of those dudes has a chance to be on the Chicago Bears in 2023, you play both. Right, right. You don't go get any guy or anything like that. You. I mean, do you, we have do we have a first round draft pick next year? That's the thing. Do we have a first round no. draft pick? So you got, but the cap the cap opens up, so you could technically make a signing with a free agent. And I mean, think about it. If if Jenkins is like towards the end part of the season, you just say, you know what, you're coming back next year, and that's the year. You know, what I mean, we we don't have right. to. You don't have to rush them in, especially if you're getting something. You have to Peter. play guys with that. Play dudes that are going to develop and are going to want to win some games, and we'll go from there. You know, I think, I mean, I've heard people say, oh, this this could be a deep playoff team this year. I'm like, you're insane. Like, there are so many holes. We did, our, we did our way too early projections, and we could do it again. But I, in the NFL especially, it, it's really hard. There's always you, a – yeah, there's always a team that comes out of nowhere just because how scheduling works. You know, if you're a last place team, you're going to get a last place schedule. You know, um, I, I just I think there are too many holes on this Bears team. Um, and I'll, I'll allude to what I put on the document. I think Sports Illustrated probably has it right with a seven and ten record for the Bears, which sounds really weird saying seven and ten. Um, but when you really look at it and you break it down. It's not wrong. Um, I mean, that's what they probably are. And not that's not to say, like, there's not something, like, you can look. Like, if there's growth on the offense, right, if, like, you can be like, okay, you know, what, what whatever week Fields comes in, let's say it's week five, and you can see the offense get get better. And he, he might struggle at first. 
Um, but like if there's hope and you're like, okay, well we have money for a free agent signing, whatever we want to do, you know, and like you can compete next year. Obviously it all also depends on like what Aaron Rodgers wants to do in green Bay. But like I it's this year is not there. It's just not, um, now weirder things have happened in this league, but seven and 10 is probably realistically where the bears are at right now. Yeah, I, I agree. Maybe it could go it could go up or down a game or two. Yeah, like at I most two games, I right. think. But right. Yeah, this I I think that you know Tim hit the nail on the head that it's kind of this is kind of a see where this team is trending at the end of the season. Hopefully everything's trending up, especially with in the quarterback uh, department and the offensive line, and then you can make your adjustments from there. And if it all goes to shit, then that's when you can say, all right, Nagy, you're done, or Pace you're done or decide from there. See, I don't think I, I don't think they'll be done. I think they'll be back next year. I think Fields drafting Fields gives them both an extra year. We'll see. We'll see how. It's unless gotta... unless this year is a complete dumpster fire. Yeah, that connects not off the table either. You know, it's just right. If they go two in fifteen, they're gone. Yeah. Just see, see what the young guys can do. If they show promise, then it just it just looks better for 2023. You're good to go from there. Well, let's move on to some baseball. Yeah, I see. I see on the document that it's it's just White Sox and baseball topics. No, uh, no other team on here to be named. I see. <laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, Patrick Wisdom will get Rookie of the Year votes. There you go. That's the only Cub news Shrindle, I have. Schwindel's Schwindel's playing well. Patrick, if I had, a, I I tweeted this out the other. I did not think Patrick Wisdom would hit 21 home runs. Let alone, I did not know who Patrick Wisdom even was at the beginning of the year. So good for him. Yeah, so he, and did you guys, did you guys take a few games from the Rockies this last series? They did. They won a series. They won two out of three. There you go. Could only go up from here. But I guess we'll I guess we'll just lead the baseball talk with the team that is uh, the only competitive team in Chicago right now, and that's the White Sox. And, and they, they just finished up today. Yeah, that is coming up the Crosstown Series. If you, if you guys want to make a bet on that, I am open to all suggestions. Um, to see who wins the series. But anyway, the, so the Sox did finish their uh, stretch of their 14 game stretch against uh, play. Currently, playoff teams or playoff potential teams, and on previous podcasts, I said if they can get if they can finish this stretch at as 500 or above 500, I will not complain. I'll be happy. I'll be content. Obviously, what are they currently they at? The stretch? They just finished their last game against uh, the Blue Jays, which caps off their 14 game stretch, and they went seven and seven, which means they're there 500. You go. So, hey. so I'm not going to complain about it. And most of those games are on the road. So it, like I no said, panicking. no panicking. So I can take, yeah, I can take my hand off the panic button. Not that I think I was going to anyway, but I know a lot of Sox fans are ready to jump in the, oh my God, we suck. Uh, can't be good teams. Bandwagon. Quad. So right. I, I guess LaRusso came out and said that he had just had some little mat, um, lingering things that he wanted to rest up on. So and I guess. At, at this stretch of Did the season. Did he ever come out limping or anything in a game? No, I, I think it was all kind of just like, not to say under the rug, but just kind of like 
like I said, lingering. Like maybe maybe in the locker room he was limping, but wasn't really showing it on the field. Um, and he came out and he played played well today. So, you know, maybe just need a few off days. You know, benching you guys, giving them rest before the playoffs start, which is important because you know if you how long the season is and the being here being. 100 or 99 degrees every day and muggy, you know, it's it's good to get rest. So I, I wasn't too worried, especially when he came out and said it was just, you know, giving him rest for lingering stuff. So that's all good there. And it's good, too, because if T.A. was really kind of banged up, then I would start to hit the panic button because our offense really needs him. He's our catalyst. He's our guy who gets on base, hits home runs, can steal a bag or two. So it's really good to see that he's back and not not seriously injured. Yeah, I think he, uh, he makes he makes you guys go. Um, he's a think, spark plug. If he's not there, yeah. It's, I it's, mean, you guys you guys struggled when he was not in the lineup. Uh, like the Tampa series, like really was like, ooh, this is a bad series with him not being in it. Because um, like I know you guys won the first game, and like because of Tim Anderson, and then the last two games he wasn't in. It was just like, ooh, shit, they do not look good with him in it. Without, well, I'm sorry, with with him not in the lineup. Absolutely. And it just, once again, goes to the importance of having a good leadoff guy. You know, you have a good leadoff guy who can hit the op, hit oppo, hit a home run. You know, it, was just, it, just, it just shows the importance of having a guy like that in the lineup. Um, some other things that came up during the series is that Kimbrel, not Krimble, Jackson, um, has looked like he's been struggling coming in as in the setup role. He's given up some runs, some hits, and his previous um, outings when he comes in to set up for Liam Hendricks. So I just want to get your kind of Cubs fans aspects of it. Do you think that he should be the closer? If you if you were is, as a White Sox manager, would you say, hey, you look you're better in this closing position? I'm going to give it to you and let Hendricks be the setup guy. When I think of something like that. And I look at your ERA, you know, inning to inning. It doesn't matter if it's throughout the season. I look at your mental. What's going on with your mental? Why can't you just adapt to what inning you're in and say, I don't care if it's the ninth. I don't care if it's the third. That batter that I'm facing, I'm going to try to get him out. I, I especially coming from him who when, when he had the um... – delayed offseason or the prolonged offseason because he held out or whatever it was and then he, the Cubs signed him and he looked like brash coming right coming in right away you know, that just makes you think about the mental aspect of it and saying hey is he you know does is a change of scenery like really gonna throw him off that much whether it be the team or the inning he's coming in so uh, it's but I know pitchers are kind of all like fucked in the head if like you know they eat the wrong cereal that morning they're gonna have a bad game but it would, it would certainly go along with your theory of the pitchers being weak. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it just falls right in line. Another, and I could just cite, I could cite this for my uh, doctorate that I'm <laughs> writing on it. Um, but Jack, so Jackson, I, was, I just want to ask you, with Kimbrel struggling in the setup role, yeah. since you had him as a closer for the past few years, if you're Tony Larusa, are you giving him the nod as the closer and letting Hendricks be the setup, or are you kind of in Tim's camping? Like, why can't you're a pitcher? You should be able to come in in any situation and get the job done. Right. I, I mean, in my heart, it says you're if you're a great pitcher, you should pitch through any circumstance. But the numbers don't lie. Um, Kimbrel in the ninth has a zero 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 ERA. My heart says kitchen. 
<laughs> My uh, mind says jail. <laughs> like, and Hendrix has struggled in the ninth inning at times, especially in the, in August. Like he has given up a couple of home late home runs as cost of the White Sox games. Um, and I get like the loyalty aspect to it, and like obviously, like if you were to put Liam in the seventh and eighth inning or whatever, like that could fuck with him too. You get him out of his routine. But I I, I think it's okay to trying it out. Um it's not a bad issue to have. But I mean the numbers speak for itself. Yeah, Kimbrell so... has been better Kimbrell on paper has been technically better in the ninth inning than Hendricks has. Yeah, and so my kind of opinion on this is they actually had Kimbrell close out the game today. The Sox won 10-7 to against the oh, uh, he Blue did? Jays. He did close it out today, and he did get the save. I think he gave up one hit, but no no runs. Um, I think that pitchers are fucked in the head, and they're weird like that, and they're all soft, and they complain about everything. They, they need um, to have everything go right for them. Yeah, exactly. But I, Liam Hendricks has come out in the media and said, hey, especially after he's been struggling, giving up those home runs, I'll do what's best for the team. If I need to go into the eighth, uh, the setup position role or whatever it is. And if Kimbrell's a better pitcher as a closer coming in the ninth. And I know before I can't remember if it was you guys or if I was reading something on Reddit or heard it on the radio that Kimbrell like likes coming in on a clean inning. So if he's if that's him in the ninth inning, he does. He does like coming. Yeah, he does like coming in the clean inning. Um, who who, li- who goes and says that they like going? <laughs> yeah, in? I, I, yeah. I, I sure. I sure. In. <laughs> hey, I give me the guy. I want the guy. I want to come in. Tight as hell. I want to come in where there's a guy on third base with no outs in a tie game. Put me in that situation. Oh, come on. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure like the last uh, bullpen arm is who always comes in when it's like. They're getting, they're getting shelled and the bases yeah, are loaded with no seven outs. Yeah, two. They're like, all right, it's my time to shine. His ERA is like 27. He's like, yeah, I would like to come in on a clean I, inning too once I in a think, while. I think for the White Sox, um, I, I don't think it's a bad – it's not a bad option to have. And, like, obviously the Cubs try to do it more with uh, Chapman and, and uh, Hector uh, Rendon, and Rendon just had a complete mental lapse with it um, in 16. But, like – I think Hendricks understands the situation. It sounds like if he's, if he's saying that quote, um, but I also think you have what an 11 game lead, 10 and a half game lead, something like that. Uh, I believe, I don't know if the Indians won today, but I believe it's 10 games if I'm not mistaken. So, so you can't, so you basically have a two week game of stretch on a team. You can't try it out for a couple of weeks. If you're the white Sox, because not every game you're going to be in is a save opportunity. You might as well try it out. Yeah, and I think I know once playoffs come, it's like it's a free for all. It's just kind of going with whoever's hot, but who's ever hot and whoever looks good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think that if if it was me, I would have Kimbrel close it out just based off the numbers aspect of it, and because Hendricks, it's hard to beat zero. It's hard it's to hard, beat zero. It's, it's hard to beat zero, <laughs> but also because Hendricks can give you can pitch. Two innings, innings, or, innings or give you yeah. five outs and that lose better to a Kim, setup. Kimbrel can, Kimbrel can, but he's just not good at it. 
Yeah, he Leah Hendricks has shown that he can do it yeah, for exactly. a season. I sure would love to have that problem. Oh, wow, I have these two amazing closers, and I have to figure out which one to start when. It's baseball. They'll get back to it, and they'll get back to it when it matters. Exactly. And everyone, go, all pitchers and hitters go through ups and downs. Like, uh, I think if you're worried about it, I don't think so. Kimball has shown that he's a guy that doesn't he doesn't mesh well when he gets onto a new team. Remember, he started off terrible with us. Now it went. Oh, he cost us a playoff spot. Yeah, it it went longer than it needed to, but I think he learns from that. You would think too, with just crossing over the other south, you know, the south side, it would just be not that big of a deal. But he'll find it. Pitchers are weird, man. Um, but yeah, it's good. Like you said, good problem to have. You know, everyone has ups and downs. Like Kopech gave up a couple runs today. And like so. to, Kevin Tapera has looked pretty good. I saw yeah, his last and, ten and games. And he gave up a home run in his first. Yeah, so. like I remember uh, this past weekend, some people like, oh, I haven't seen it from Tempera. And I looked at his stat lines today. The past 10 games, his ERA is one. He's given up one run, like three hits, like one walk and 10 strikeouts. I'm like, what the fuck else do you need? <laughs> like, that's what like your sixth, seventh man inning does or your yeah, high yeah. leverage, that's high just, leverage reliever does. That's like just like every, every just like casual baseball fan thinks a closer is supposed to come in and strike out three people and yeah, they're supposed to be Trevor Hoffman or fucking Mariano Rivera. It's like, come on, that's not going to happen. So yeah, like good problem to have. Got a big lead. Now just keep it, keep it going. Try and get that second uh, seed for the playoffs. Is if what you're I'm four, for. if you're four bullpen, people are going to be Tapera, Kopech, Hendricks, Kimbrell. Pretty good bullpen. Before we move on to uh, kind of national baseball news, because playoffs are coming. Do you think the Cubs take a game from the Sox in this series if they squeak one out? Absolutely. I don't see it. Absolutely. <laughs> Unless Patrick Wisdom plays all nine positions. When do we start Friday? It starts yeah. tomorrow afternoon. Yeah. Be nice to take two out of three from you. <laughs> and, and, uh, like, sure would. And, and here's sure the thing. Would. Here's the thing. It's your Super the White Bowl. Sox, That's, I'm sure the, what the White Sox have never had a winning streak over the Cubs longer than five. Oh, that would then that would be that would fall right they into play. Never had they never had a winning streak, and it was weird because the Cubs, the White Sox, only had a two-game lead over the Cubs before this year started. Now they have a five. You know, I don't want to see eight because that's like, damn, we got to come back. You know, like it could take a couple of years to come back on it. But I, I would love to see two out of three. I'd be happy with one. Yeah, at least you get a little bit of. You get Hendricks to on him. He got shelled, but he'll he'll come back. He'll throw a good game. Yeah, he's I'll... still leading the leagues in uh, wins, so there's yes. there's something. Yeah, maybe you can add on to that possible 21 season that he might get you. What yeah. the hell happened to the Padres? I see here you got them at 27 percent to win the playoffs. Yeah, ESPN that? has them ranked at 27 percent chance of making the Just playoffs. What happened? You got all that talent, especially in the uh, in the. Trade deadline. They they started they really facing, they, started, huh? they started facing these teams called the Giants and uh, the Dodgers. They really needed that Scherzer, huh? And they fired their pitching coach a, a few days ago. How has Scherzer pitched? Really? He's been lights out. Okay, I mean you would think so. <laughs> He's been lights out. Oh, what's new? Well, I mean, and then what? You got 
Yankees are hot as shit right now. I Yankees mean, are I, ten and zero. They're about to Stanton sitting it for me. He's getting the bat going. Here's the thing: the Yankees are beating up on the Braves, who before this week were like the second hottest team in baseball. Right? They the, both the Yankees and the Braves met at nine and zero. Like they both won their last nine games. Pretty good games. Those that Braves Giants. My buddy uh, Mike is going to one of those games. Yeah, and then and then it's going to be Giants Brewers next week for a four game series. So we're we're going to see some good games. I'm just hoping that I'm hoping the Padres do make the playoffs because I would really enjoy seeing a NL West wild card game. Whether it's Dodgers and Padres or oh, I'm sure the Brewers would love that. Oh, absolutely. And it, it just seems so weird that because um, I think they showed like how um, MLB will put something out. Said if the playoffs ended today and it was like Dodgers and Reds, it was like, oh, that's like that's not as fun to watch. as no, it's 1975. Yeah, or Dodgers and uh, Braves, Phillies or whoever it was. It's like, eh, that'd be cooler if it was a National National uh, League West game going for that wild card, especially with the Dodgers, who everyone thought was going to be a runaway number one seed. It does definitely remind me of 2018 a little bit when you had two play in wild card or two division winners and then they had the play in wild card game right. So you had in 2018 you had the Dodgers had to face the Rockies, whoever won the wild card or whoever won the division, loser went to the wild card and the same thing in the Central where the Cubs lost to the Brewers and the, then the Cubs lost to the Rockies for the wild card. Um, there's it's definitely. I think Joey Votto has definitely put the Reds on his back. Um, and that's not to say like the Reds don't have Cassianos and Winkler, but uh, Votto has just been unbelievable this past month and a half. I mean, he's put himself as an MVP candidate. Um, but the problems I have with the NL, I, I definitely think they're going to beat up on each other. And like we've talked about before, you could have, two of the two out of three of the best teams in the NL out in that first week, right? The Dodgers, Giants, the Dodgers, Giants, and the pod, if the Padres were to get back going, um, they could be out as well. And, you know, if you're the NL East or if you're, you know, the, I don't, I don't see really the Reds catching the Brewers. Um, the Brewers are probably like, yes, that's what we want. (laughs) Like that's what we want the most. So do you like the way that the MLB has their wild card formatting or would you rather prefer a, a new change? No, that's I'd, good. I think I'm it's great. Lean, I think I'm kind of leaning against the change. How, how would you change it? And what's wrong with what don't you like about the current I'm okay. Way? I'm okay with the one game playoff. I think it's fun. Um, it's stressful as being a Cub fan. We've been in it twice. Um, but I definitely think there are times where one division is so lopsided. Like I, I just remember the 2015 NL Central when you had three teams over 97 wins, and it's like, do you reward that? You know, like I, I don't know. Like, I think I, I like it. I like it, the one game. I think like, that the one game is fine. I'm fine with that. But, like, if you win your division at 81 games or 85 wins and you're the home team against, like, a team that won 97 games, like, come on. Yeah. I can see that, but it's I guess it's kind of, like, shows you that the importance of winning your division, you know? Yeah, and it also sucks if you're in a really good division. Like, if you're in the NL West right now, like, that sucks. 
Yeah, based off your record, you would be number two, but then you're, yeah. now you're fighting for a one-game playoff, right? All right, so are we, Kev, Kev, I got it. I got to stop you for a second. What's why up? Do you, why do you need to stop me for a second? I got some, I got some bear news. Oh, 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 bear alert, bear alert. Bear alert, bear alert. This is a, it's been a long week for everybody. But I found a really nice video of a mama bear and her three cubs on top of the bear going across the river. And it just shows you how powerful the mama bear is, you know. And, and I said this before when Jackson was talking about it, but you won't see a gorilla do that. You, you won't, won't see, see a gorilla. It. They cannot the swim. Does. What's the point of being that big if you can't swim? Well, it just goes to show you that just not only are the bears just these ferocious badass just killers but they're also a caring and they have a loving a sense of family you know you don't i think we all can agree you don't mess with a mama bear yeah no one no one says oh yeah that's my mama mama that's my mama gorilla over there oh she's a total mama gorilla you do you're not you are not doing well on mother's (laughs) day if you say that no mama bear it's mama bear a bust if someone describes you as a mama bear, you are just, you are loved. Yes. You are, you're pleasant to be around. But you are respected. You're respected. You probably can cook something up real nice in the kitchen. Probably go get some salmon out of the river. Just scoop it on out. Mama bears probably give great hugs too. My mama does. I hug my mom every day. Well, I don't anymore, but no, because I don't live there. But I hug my mom so many times. She's a big mama bear. I'm pro mama bear. Pro mama bear. Mama gorilla just seems like someone who would slap, slap your food out of your hand when you're trying to eat it. <laughs> just do some crazy wild shit. Well, that's some good feel-good news on a, on a week like this, so that's that's good to hear. Shout out to you, mama bear, carrying your kids across the river. And, uh, yeah, I watched the video. It was really cool to see. Um kind of like just like seeing the title i was like oh that seems like kind of easy for i would just seemed it seemed easy for the bear but when i actually watched it i was like oh shit those kids are like not itty bitty babies are like pretty no, decently sized there's three of them there's three they're just of like them. crawling all over like toddlers and it's just like bam and they all stay like balanced on her back yeah, yeah it's... You, go, you go mama bear all right jack so we only got one piece of national news today and i know this is kind of your uh forte so yeah. what do you what do you have what's, for what's us what's happening at notre dame uh, Notre Dame actually might, I don't know if they'll be affected by this, but the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 decided to do an alliance together. Now, sounds the alliance, like Super League. It, <laughs> sounds like some like WWE stuff. It, it does seem like an NWO type of thing. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to see Hulk Hogan, you know, put on the black t-shirt um which would be awesome but it does seem like a big fuck you to the sec um who obviously as we talked about were scooping up texas and oklahoma um i guess they want to advance each other and possibly schedule more non-conference games there are some big 10 football this week nebraska plays illinois i think it is cool to see week one and we, we can talk about this more next week when college football really gets going. 
But I like to see big matchups week one, whether it's conference or not. Um, I think it makes the game more interesting. I think the Big Ten has always lacked in that a little bit. But I think it's kind of cool. Like, I would like to see, like, a Penn State play, like a USC in a, in a regular season game or an Ohio State takes on a Washington. Um, so are they just going to be, like, one or two games a year that they kind of schedule? It sounds like they want to have a partnership. And when it comes to non-con, con, like, the partnership is more with men's basketball, women's basketball, and football. Yeah. Well, this only helps them out for the their strength of schedule because if you have Alabama yeah. or whoever's playing the Citadel yeah. or you know Eastern Illinois, but then as they're not See, South Carolina plays Eastern Illinois this year. Oh, there you go, Eastern yeah. Illinois collecting their check. Um, but then if you have Ohio State and their their non-conference game is against an Oregon or a you know USC or Clemson, whoever whoever's from the uh, ACC as well, Florida State if they're getting good again that only bodes well and it's, it just makes good tv for us to watch so that'll be yeah and i think that's the thing we want to we want to you want to make college football cool put some traditional powerhouses against each other make it put it on prime time I'm on ABC. see high ranking teams play nothing, yeah nothing's and that too nothing's worse than like when there's only one good matchup and it's at like seven o'clock on a saturday and you're like all right i guess i'll watch minnesota play you know uh idaho or whatever at noon so it's good there to should, see. Oh, there should always be at least a minimum, in my opinion, across college football, at least five good games a week. Well, and that so I guess like the odd conference out is like the Big Twelve. Big at least Twelve gets lives. fucked. Yes. So the Pac-10 or the Pac-12, excuse me, uh, did release a couple hours ago. I saw that they will not expand to include Big Twelve teams. Sucks I mean, yeah, it sucks to be. I a, mean, you I'll lose Oklahoma. Yeah, if you lose Baylor, you lose Oklahoma and Texas. I mean, there's only what? Texas is going to SEC, though, right? Yeah, and Oklahoma. The Big 12 is going to be like the Big East for basketball. When basketball, when the Big East had like Syracuse, Pittsburgh, West Virginia, West Virginia, they might still be in there, actually. Well, no, they're big. No, they're Big 12. Yeah, they're Big 12. So they they had a bunch of good teams, and they left the Big East. UConn. No, you can't still in it, but you know what I'm saying. The ACC right. had a bunch of, or excuse me, the Big East had a bunch of good teams. They all left, and now it's just like, uh, who's the, who? There's no one really there, and they're kind of just like an afterthought when it comes to college basketball. Now, so, do you guys like to see conference games week one? And we can preview this next week because there's a bunch of Big Ten conference games week one. I just want to see good games. That's all. I just want to see good games. Well, like, here's the thing. You lose a week one. And you're 50 a bit point school. blowouts. Don't want to see him. Don't want to see him. So I, I, I think, I think because the, the Big Ten has definitely played themselves out of the college football playoff once in a while. They have. I think if you're a powerhouse, Ohio State, Michigan, I guess, you know, a, a really solid quality team in your division, then I would like to see you play a, a non-conference good team, powerhouse. so like okay. powerhouse, a, a, another. That's fine. I'm okay with that. But if you're like a mid-tier, low-tier, you know, Illinois and Nebraska, they're playing, then I would be cool with them playing uh, a team in their division as long as it's the same level. Um, just, yeah, like you said, get rid of those games where it's just like a tune-up game where it's Appalachian State and, Make you know, play. Army are playing. Yeah, so. Like, I think it's cool as a Penn State fan. Like, I'm excited to play against Wisconsin. Obviously, I'm nervous because Wisconsin is always a good team. And then in two weeks, you got to play against Auburn. It's like okay, 
like, and I think they play some dog in the in the second week. But I, I'm okay with playing Wisconsin and Auburn in your first two out of three games. Like, that makes it good for TV. Like, Tim just said in the mic, I want to see good games. Like, yeah, you want to see, like, a Penn State, like, an SEC team go up north to a Big Ten school. Like, I, I don't – if you're going to face each other, like, I don't want to see it always at a neutral game site. Like, go to the conference – like, make it a one-on-one series. Like, a one-on-one series. Like, I'm getting tired of, like – going to Dallas or Charlotte or Atlanta for these games, like go to the home schedule and face them there. Yeah. It just, it just makes that game feel more like a college football game with that environment rather than just like a, a 50, 50 crowd. Exactly. So I'm excited. I don't really have any, you know, I'm not a super huge college football fan. I am excited for it, but I don't really have a team that I super root for. So I'm just excited similar to to have just just good games just give me games that are fun to watch what allows me to drink fan. on a what allows me to drink on a saturday afternoon so i can keep my hangover for sunday exactly let's get you like in the mood for some bears football the following day who do i want to draft out of the bears there yeah you could well yeah. no one in the first round but yeah. <laughs> start looking at the mid-tier people all right so we are going to finish up the team bear sports podcast episode 12 with some power rankings. So who wants to explain the power rankings for this week? Yeah, I will. Uh, this was my idea. Uh, I've been seeing this a lot, but we always hear this argument. Who is the most overrated or underrated team slash organization, uh, player and coach, right? The, this could be a, like, let's give you a three, uh, people we think are underrated or underrated um, people who deserve their due or people are like, okay, this person sucks. They're not as good as the hype is. And I know in sports, whether it be college or pro, there's a ton of them. So just to clarify, we, we could, we could choose three of one category, one from a ca- each category. We could just, we can. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. Okay. Good. I was like, damn, did I have to have like nine things planned? But we're all we're all good. We're we all can good. do six. We can do three and three of each. That's fine. I mean, you give us enough beer and argument. I I'm I'm just I got three. I don't need I to got be three. here for I, I I don't need I to got be here for nine I got hours. Three too. I'm good. I'm, I, let's get. I got three. Uh, uh, Muggsy Bogues, right? He was pretty okay, but people think he's good, right? Um, yeah. Okay, we're good. We're cool with three. We're on the same page. Uh, Tim, why, why don't you go ahead? Um, I'm going to say overrated, overrated the Harlem Globetrotters. Let's go generals. I know I kind of, as, as <laughs> someone who was with you at the Harlem Globetrotters game, clearly not enough fan support. Well, you guys went to a whole, whole Harlem Globetrotters game? Yes, you did. Absolutely. Wait. Drunk in Arizona. Like a oh, few, a few years guys. ago when I was visiting Tim. <laughs> It was great. <laughs> Kevin, on, on at halftime, we were right above where they go into the locker room. Kevin stood up while there's all these dads and everything, and the lights turned on during halftime. He stood up, and as loud as he possibly could, with this giant beer in his hand, he booed the refs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were calling it straight. I feel like I feel like this is like how I met your mother, like when Marshall and Ted always go to watch the generals play. You got Bubblegum Jones traveling at half court and you're not calling yeah. it. 
Yeah, I mean, generals need the guys to win. taking backward passes. You can't stop that. Globetrotters, dude, they just get all the calls. Overrated. <laughs> well, and the best part too is that as I was booing these referees who probably did did it for free, and or walking into their uh, little locker room or whatever. The average age of this entire event is probably 11 years old. So me as probably 26 at the time, just booing. There's booing these kids. probably five or six beers deep with whatever we had beforehand, booing these just minimum wage refs who are just <laughs> here to entertain 11 year olds. And I'm just booing them. But hey, you know, call, pro- unfortunately, call the you're, game probably, square. You're, you're probably not the first person to do that. Well, you know, and the the cool thing is actually about the the. Well, he uh, was the only one to do it that day. Oh, yeah, I was the only one to do it. But I like to think that I I spark some other fans to really kind of open their eyes, open well, your third eye, well, and 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 what's going start, on. we started seeing people buy some generals jerseys and stuff. We started the crowd turning. Absolutely, and you know what? The, the generals they had some they had some ballers, but they just kind of got shafted by the you refs. Know, one day they're gonna win. One day they're gonna win. And you know what? It, it make. Just like the propaganda that's out there, it makes you seem like the the Globetrotters make everything. They 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 miss a few shots. They're not making every single four point shot on the court. They they definitely, you know, aren't as hyped up. Definitely a good overrated call out there, Tim. I like it. Heck yeah. Okay. All right. So my number three is also something that is overrated, and it's a player. And I said that Derek Jeter is overrated. Ooh, that's a good Ooh. one. That's a good one. So it all, it kind of also stems because I went to a Sox game when it was his last. They played the Yankees when it was his last uh, season playing, and it was just I can't stand when someone is like a, a really good player, and every place they go, they give them a rocking chair made out of bats or this, like a bit a signed photo. It's just like okay, we get it. You're retiring. We'll give you a round of applause, especially at an away game for that player. We'll give you a round of applause. You were a good player. And then you can go on your right. But the year, Jeter, the last year, like retirement yeah. tour, yay. Yeah, it's not like you're the Rolling Stones and you're on your farewell tour. You're just you're you're some schmuck who plays a sport, and that the team, the place that you're at, doesn't like you because you're on the opposing team. Now, if it's you know if it's a Cubs game and it's uh, you know Chris uh, Kyle Hendricks last game, yeah, bringing out the parades and all that stuff. But with Derek Jeter, that probably stems why I put him as overrated. But on all of the teams that he's been on, and he's been on a lot of championship-winning teams with the Yankees, he's arguably not the best player on any of those teams. I mean, he's good, but I feel like like baseball has just like pushed him to be this guy who's been this amazing shortstop, who is just one of the best players of all time when defensively he's not very good. He was always kind of like one of their two, like three, four best players on the team at one point, at least – statistically and just i don't know and I mean, he's, a hall of, he's a hall of famer but it's like he's a hall of absolutely i'm not denying i'm not denying he's a hall yeah, of yeah I, I mean i i think this is a true overrated and not like i think overrated like when we people think like overrated they always think like oh this guy sucks he's overrated that doesn't mean that you suck yeah it means that you're you, it, it could also mean like you're good but you're not like holy yeah, shit God's gift. yeah exactly yeah i could name probably like A Rod was a way better shortstop than Jeter ever was, and but Jeter had the ego to still play shortstop, even though A Rod would have probably been much better. And he still yeah, played shortstop. I, I mean, I will in say his this: thirties or whatever before he retired. Jeter, Jeter was clutch. Like I will give him that. 
But like clutch. defensively, dude, the guy sucked. Yeah, he just, you know, out of the Hall of Fame shortstops or Yankees, I just think he's overrated. So that's that's my number three. Yep, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, I'm going to go another over, under overrated. Uh, I'm going to go Jim Harbaugh uh, from Michigan and the 40, uh, former 49ers coach. Um, he's never won the big game. I get that he won an NFC title game, but he lost a few NFC title games too. Um, when he's been at Michigan, they have not beaten Ohio State. They usually get their ass kicked, except for in one game where they blew it. Um, they've never gotten to the Big Ten title game. Um, yeah, Jim Harbaugh, overrated. And I think Michigan in itself in the past 10 years, we could say is an overrated program. Yeah, and they always just, they always carry themselves. They're Ar- they, Ann Arbor stands for arrogant asses. As As... A, a college and Harbaugh himself as well, kind of like cares themselves as a coach who can go out, get the best players and give you the best results when clearly they cannot do that. Yeah. He, and, I, and I hit his antics on the sideline when like he just throwing the, Oh, when he doesn't get a call. The headphone. Yeah. And just like, like, dude, you've never been to a big tent. Like and that's Michigan every year. Like, Oh, this is the year they're going to compete with Ohio state. It's like, dude, they can't even beat Penn state or Michigan state. They're not going to beat Ohio state. Come on. All right, Tim, what do you got for your number two? Underrated because I haven't seen the hype for it. Why aren't we hyping it up? Why isn't it in the top decision? It got, it got put onto the top five. Red hogs, hogs, let's go. They're underrated. Let's go. Everyone should be pumping that. Everyone should be voting all over for that. Why would you not want some red hog gear? I don't know what's wrong with you. Very underrated. Washington Red Hogs. Just, just everyone's looking at that list that that list and thinking like, oh, it doesn't even have a shot. It's way closer than you think. I want my money. It's probably because people are too uh, too embarrassed to say anything. Just em- fully embrace it. Nothing's embarrassing about rooting for the Red Hogs. It's like Whereas political red polling. Hogs, yeah, come afraid. on. Yeah. yeah, come on. Just go with your heart. We all know most people want the Red Hogs to be the football team in Washington. Just go out there and just vote for it and I mean, then show you some support. The, you can get all the fat guys again in the 80s and 90s dress up in drag and, oh, like, and just weird nozzles and stuff like that like they can bring that back and they can actually and, be hogs and just everything that comes with that name like you can call you can call the the stadium the pig pen you know you can have that would be disgusting you can you can just like label your concession site concession areas like slop yeah slop, slop uh stands or something like that it's this it's more it's deeper you, than just get your beanie hogs. weenie at the slop <laughs> just corn it corn and mush together oh. <laughs> Put it right next to the bathroom. Let's go, <laughs> hogs, baby! And you, you got it. You every bathroom in there, even the women's bathroom, trough, 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 trough. You gotta have barrels. You gotta put like, you gotta put like, you gotta put like in there. barrels of hay in there. It, there's <laughs> gotta be like the cheer is the sweet. That's the cheer. Apple cores. It's like, it's, like like apple it's like in college football. You know, like when teams do like a chant before they go to the fourth quarter. They can do like a big like. Oh, it's going in the fourth quarter. Everyone do their big hog. They do like their hog impersonation before the fourth quarter. Yeah, we, we seriously, Dan Snyder, we us three here at the Team Bear Sports Podcast have this. He's not emailed me back. All encompassing plan you over there, for your organization. Get a, get a meeting. 
Dude, he's like an hour and a half away from me. Get I emailed meeting. him. I called him. I said, let's get some beers. We'll have a private meeting. Get him on the phone. Want a meeting. I did see, I did go out drinking a couple. I did go outside. I went, I got a couple beers. Kevin, when did I call you? Yesterday? I think uh, Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday. No, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. I did see a jersey that said uh, Dan Snyder on the back name, and it had a bunch of dollar signs as the number. That was pretty good. That was pretty funny. I mean, Washington Redhawks, come on. Very underrated. Underrated name. All right, so for my number two, I also did an underrated. And I this is the homer pick. I said the 2005 White Sox. Not mentioned a lot. The whole ESPN meme thing of them forgetting Chicago championships and the Sox being one of them. <laughs> but they did go undefeated in the World Series. They only lost one game. They went 4-0 in the World Series. They only lost one game in the playoffs. They swept the former World Series champs, the Red Sox, in the opening round. You know, you don't you really hear a lot of names on uh, national baseball news it's about, hey, remember that time when Jermaine Dye was MVP or Paul Canerco? So underrated. A good, this quality team, good good moment, great great uh, World Series with, with the moments, with the 16-inning um, pinch hit home run. So just very underrated. Um, I'd agree with that. For the White Sox. Yeah, I, I think I'll say this. I think the 2016 Cubs are a better team. The 2005 White Sox has a better playoff. He just said, they, I agree with that. And they just said, but no, they're not but, that no, good, though. There's a difference. There's a difference. I, I agree, but they're not good. There, there is a difference. The 2005, the 2005 White Sox is the best postseason team. This guy I've is ever. on one today. No, the post, <laughs> no, they are the best postseason team I've ever seen. And I, and I, I Dan Snyder's in his apartment right now. He's he's not. Um, otherwise, I'd be just be telling him to get those like hogs. Let's go. But like, I think what makes the 05 White Sox special is like you're never going to see four complete games in a row to win a series. Like that's insane. Like that's insane. Yeah. Underrated. All right, Jack. What's your number two? Number two. Underrated, and I hate saying this, um, because he is part of an organization who I despise, but he is such a good player. And it's Stan Mutual for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I hate saying it, but if you ever look up his numbers, they are insane. And he never gets talked. He never gets talked about as he's arguably one of the top three or four greatest left-handed hitters of all time. When did he play? Uh, fit. 40s through the 60s. Uh, you lost me. I, 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 yeah, you're his right. Number, <laughs> I mean, his numbers are right there with like Willie Mays, Lou Gehrig, everybody. Um, 3,000 hits. He's the most underrated, probably baseball player of all time. I'd say and he's I, underrated because I think I could, I think I could call. 10 males on my phone that are over 30 years old. And I think nine of them would know who he is. They would not. Then they're not good baseball fans. But Stan Musial, Stan the man, I hate saying it, is probably the most underrated baseball player of all time. And he's a Hall of Famer. He's already, he's a Hall of Famer and a World Series MVP. It's not like he needs our approval. But, yes, he is the most. And I hate saying it because he's a St. Louis you're fucking Cardinal. Your, your, your take is... Underrated Hall of Famer, get out of here. 
but he doesn't get talked about as one of the best of all time. And his war and his hits and his home runs. He's a white dude from the 40s. Dude, the guy hit both. The guy hit dingers and the guy hit for average. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he did. Sure. Yeah, let me go back to the footage. Is it on Twitter? Well, let me go to the library and uh, get uh, get those 1940s newspapers from the uh, that section. But I know who he yeah, is. But yeah, yeah. you got to be on the you got to be on uh, looking at the old I newspaper. I mean, his war, his war was 128 was 128.7. Do you think if he do you think if he played 30 years later, he would he would not be on your list? I mean. With, when you have 3,630 hits, 475 home runs, and you have a 331 batting average, I mean, <laughs> I think you've just fucking hit the ball. Stan like Usual, baby. His numbers Stand are... Usual. His numbers Stan are... Stan Unusual. His numbers are... Every, every listener, if you could uh, please stop your car so you could Google him, <laughs> that'd be great. <laughs> All right, Tim, what's your one? My one is the Wombats. Uh, backyard baseball, never lost the game. <laughs> Underrated. Oh, now is, it, is, this, is this football? Is this baseball? Well, actually, they. I mean, it's baseball and soccer. Use Wombats, and then I just, you know, use them for that. Shout out to the Melonheads as well. Um, I, only, I only followed the Melonheads in 1912, though, so after, after that, <laughs> Wombats. <laughs> Stan Musial on the on your team there? Nah, he was he wasn't even a twinkle in his dad's eye, his grandpappy's eye. I, I think Jackson's quickly changing his number one because he probably has some like guy <laughs> from the eighteen hundreds. No, 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 no. Mine's mine's more of a general thing for my number one. Victor von Bergenstein. Go ahead, Kev. Uh, send me your number one. All right, my number one is Cappy Pondexter from the Phoenix Mercury uh, guard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I could have been like, is this guy for real? <laughs> no, mine was, uh, my number one is overrated. And it is, so I put the Belichick coaching tree or anyone associated with Bill Ooh. Belichick. So okay, let, that's let a let good just, one. Let me just read you a list of the people who have been associated with Bill Belichick who have received coaching jobs, head coaching jobs in the NFL. Um, sorry, let me just, I should have had it up, but do you have the list first? I had the list first. How many, how many head coaches, head coaches? So there are, there are two currently, but former, let's see, we have, and I didn't even list all of them, but on my list alone, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wow. That's That's a lot. lot. With two, two currently Brian Flores and Joe judge currently coaching. So the jury's still out, but you would think being associated with Bill Belichick may, means you're a good coach, but... I think that just shows you how good of a coach Belichick is because anyone who tries to emulate him isn't as good as he is. So clearly, if you're a part of that coaching tree, you are overrated because that, that would include the likes of Charlie Weiss, Romeo Oof. Cornell, Oof. Nick, Nick Saban. Some of these obviously are NFL or college coaches. Nick Saban, the Dolphins, we know how that went. Eric Mangini... <laughs> Josh McDaniels, Jim Schwartz, Matt, Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien. I don't want any of those guys coaching my NFL football team. So 
If you yeah, are Nick coach- Saban's Nick Saban's the only good coach and that he's at Alabama. Yeah, and it's like you hear like the oh he's 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 learned under the hoodie, he's learned under Bill Belichick. He's gotta be but good. Like, there's Clearly so many, you're overrated. There's so many other coaching trees. Like I if I do find coaching trees fascinating, but like there's the Belichick one, but there's like I can think of two or three other good ones where it's like the Parcells coaching yep. tree, which Belichick came under the Parcells one. There is the Walsh one. Andy um, Reid. Right. Where, where Andy Reid came under Walsh and then Andy Reid has his own tree. And then yes. there is um, the head coach from Iowa. Oh, God. What's it? Hayden Fry? He had a bunch of head coaches um, and successful college coaches under him. And then who groomed into good, decent NFL coaches. So it's like there's other trees besides the Bill Belichick tree. Like I, I, I agree with you 100%. This one is the most overrated out of the big four college, uh, out of the college pro coaching trees. And it's funny because they all, like most of them all go back to work for him too. Because like Patricia's there, Josh McDaniels is there. Yeah. I mean, Jim Schwartz has bounced around a few places, but they all come back to Papa, so... Jackson, what's your number one? Most overrated or underrated? Most overrated. Uh, technically, this is a little outside the box. Um, but I'm going to say Heisman Trophy winners is the most overrated thing. Uh, historically, the Heisman Trophy winner does not do well in the NFL. It is mostly a quarterback, and it's hard to develop a quarterback in the NFL, or it's become a more quarterback winner. Uh, in recent years, but historically, if you're a Heisman Trophy winner, you do not do well in the NFL. I think it's a cool award, but does not always guarantee you as the best college football player, nor you will, nor will you be the best um, pro rookie that year. So Heisman Trophy winner. Usually, usually just a good athlete, like you know, Lamar Jackson or you know Trevor Lawrence, Tim good Debo. athletes. Well, I'm curious to see how Lawrence will do because he is built like a quarterback. Yeah, you're but good like, athletes. Like, so it's it's cool. It's cool. Like, when how, you many, have... how many times? How many times did we see quarterbacks get drafted in like the early 2000s? Like Chris Winkie or Eric Couch. Or, oh, you, Tom like, Brady was nothing. It, just, it doesn't. It's all mental. It's all mental. So you could like, be even a year, even the years like Saquon Barkley, like his junior senior year. It's like, yeah, this guy's the best running back, but he didn't win the, you know. Uh, what you call it? The so what's, it's uh, all I, about oh. what's between the years and and being yeah, athletic. Being athletic helps, but it isn't I mean, everything. There, and and that does not mean that there's been great Heisman Trophy winners who went on to the high, like who went on to um the Pro Football Hall of Fame, like Roger Staubach, um Barry Sanders. Like there's there are a few of them, but it's most of the time if you win the Heisman Trophy winner, like you're not always the best player. It's the most overrated award. Don't, don't get me wrong. I would love to win if I was a college football player. Don't get me wrong. But you could have any girl in the whole college as your wife. You could anyone. You could just be like, hey, you. I'm a Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner, baby. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up episode 12 of the Team Bear Sports Podcast. Before we finish out, does anyone have any other breaking news or anything else they want to share before we sign off? Ding dong, the whims is dead. The whims is dead. The whims is dead. Ding oh, dong, God. the wicked wigs. It whims is dead. 
Justin Fields, baby. See how he does. Yeah, the Bears will be going over the Bears versus Titans in next week's episode. Fields is going to start the entire game, so we'll just hope for a good performance there. You can catch this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere you prefer to listen to your podcasts. Team Bear, out. Thank you, thank you, and go Bears!